Hi everyone, Tatum here. I am so sad and sorry to say that even though this is one of my favorite episodes we've ever recorded, um, there were some technical issues on my part and I did not find out until after we recorded the entire episode that uh, my mic was not actually hooked up. So unfortunately that means that the audio quality on my part is not the best throughout this episode. I'm so sorry to say that, but Hopefully you guys will be still willing to listen anyway, and uh, I've learned my lesson, and going forward, (laughs) this will not happen again. So thanks, guys, uh, and enjoy listening to our episode of RRR. Load. Aim. Shoot. (laughs) (laughs) There it is. There it is. One of the only lines in this movie that's in English. (laughs) Welcome to Your Pick, a film podcast. I'm Tatum. And I'm Geneva. We are two friends who love movies and love sharing them with each other. Each week, we take turns picking a film that is close to our hearts and talk about why it moves us. To tears, to laughter, and everything in between. We celebrate the craft of filmmaking, as well as the unique and personal ways we find meaning in the movies we watch. So, hello. We are here for another week. Welcome, Geneva. (laughs) (laughs) Why, thank you. (laughs) I don't know why I'm welcoming you. You're literally here every single week, but uh, even so, I'm welcoming you. Anyway, <laughs> into um, this uh, audio recording space. Yes, that does exists on the internet. But, right. Um, yeah. Do you wanna Do you wanna catch us up on this week? Just what's been going on? Anything that you've been watching? Sure. Yeah. Actually, it's been kind of a sparse week for watching with me, just because uh, things have been hectic at work lately, and so. I've just been not watching a whole lot of things in the evenings. Um, mostly I've been trying to catch up on the last of the Os- uh, Best Picture Oscar nominations for this year. So I recently watched Tar and I recently watched Women Talking. Uh, the only one I have left now is Triangle of Sadness, which fortunately has come back to the theater near me for a, oh, a couple screenings really? a week. Yeah, I'm so I'm going to try see. and catch that this week if I can. Um, yeah. But in terms of um, not recent movies that I've seen, I did watch one this past week. I watched a movie from Cle- called Cleo from 5 to 7, which is a French film from the uh, early 60s, I think. Um, it's about a woman who is this – she's a singer. Um, she's rich. She's a little bit selfish and spoiled, although also kind of, you know, pretty likable. And she has is waiting on the test, the results of a test that may or may not show that she has cancer. And basically, it's the two hours before she finds out whether or not, you know, what the, the results of this test are. As she's wandering through the city, she's trying to go through her daily routine, she's meeting up with friends, and yeah, basically just trying to distract herself from this existential question of, am I going to be, am I sick? Am I not sick? Am I going to be potentially facing death? Um, Am I, you know, am I doing what I should be doing with my life? That sort of thing. And um, 
yeah, it's it's a good film. I mean, it's a it's a classic for a reason. Um, it's one of those films. I don't want to spoil too much of what happens. I mean, it's not really a spoilery film. Uh, you know, a film that you can spoil too much. Apart from that question of does she or does she not have um, not have cancer? The actual events of the film they're pretty episodic. You know, she goes somewhere, she meets a different person, they talk a bit, and then she goes somewhere else. But it does toward the end of the film. Um, it does have one of my favorite things in a movie, which is when two strangers kind of meet and have this sort of meeting of the minds, you know, kind of two lonely people finding solace with each other for a little while, which is just something that happens every once in a while in a, in a film or a TV show. And I just always really, really love when that happens, when it's executed well. And I think it's executed really well here. It's very sweet. It's very beautiful, very poetic. And yeah, so I I really enjoyed this film. I encourage you all, if you've not heard of it or not seen it before, to check it out. Geneva, have we ever talked about the fact that for whatever reason, I haven't really been able to connect with French cinema? I don't know if we have. Yeah, I... I don't think we've... Because I've only seen a few French films, and I don't know how extensively we ta we've talked about any of them. Yeah. But yeah, I'm curious to hear more. I know that, like, the French New Wave obviously was a thing, and there's a lot of classic French movies, and I probably have watched... I don't know, maybe 15 or so of these classic, really popular, well, well-known, very well-made movies that everyone respects and says that they're the best movies of all time. And I, I just do not connect with French cinema at all. I, I don't even know if I could name one French movie that I actually have either enjoyed watching or come away feeling like, wow, that was really something that just impacted me or, and I don't know what, what it is about French cinema or the stories or the culture or whatever. I don't think that they're bad stories. I don't think the movies are poorly made, but for whatever reason, I always finish watching them and I'm just like, I don't get it. I like, <laughs> not, not, I don't get it. I can, yeah, but, I can see why mm -hmm. people put them on the, the level of, of, um, just respect that they put it, put them on. But for me, I'm just like, I, I don't know, maybe it's kind of similar to the apartment. I'm like, it just, I don't get it. It doesn't, it doesn't do anything for me. I think I'm missing something, but <laughs> I feel yeah. like the apartment could easily have been a French film too. From the, again, oh, I've, only, I've really only seen a few, um, but of the ones that I have seen of that era, it's like, hmm. I feel like these vibes are a little bit similar in some ways, kind of comic, kind of dark. Um, kind of sweet, kind of despairing, you know. But I like all of those things. <laughs> I don't know what it is in these circumstances. It just yeah, doesn't, that's interesting. It doesn't come together. And I've tried yeah, so many I times. I will say, well, I was just going to say, I, I think the first one of that era that I saw was Breathless, which to me is kind of the, I don't know, the quintessential French film. I don't know if that's the one that technically sparked off the French New Wave, but it is kind of a big milestone in it. And... I did not really connect with it either. Kind of similar to you. I, I can see why it's it was so revolutionary. I can see why it is endured, but just it doesn't really do anything for me. Um, this one, Cleo from Five to Seven, it did do something for me. It didn't. It's not a new sort of top of the list or anything like that. But I, I found really sweet moments to connect with in it. But Breathless, for whatever reason, I just I really struggled with. Yeah. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed this one. Um... 
It's another one of those movies that I just tell myself, well, maybe if I watch this one, finally I'll understand. (laughs) But then I'm like, I've done that and I've gone down that road so many times. And every time I'm just like, I really don't think I needed to watch that movie. But, I'm um, curious, of the 15 you've seen, are you saying 15 of that sort of era, that French New no, Wave, 50s, just, 60s, 70s, or just every just, era? Just French films in general. Um, yeah, whether they're recent or older or whatever, I've watched a fair amount and I just don't, I just don't get it. It's not, it's not for me, but uh, I, you know, mad respect to people out there who enjoy those films. I wish, I wish I could because there's some part of my brain that is, I guess, malfunctioning. And so I don't get it, but, um, yeah. Anyway, uh, anything else or, or is that it for now? Not really. Yeah. Like I said, I've just been catching up on some recent ones. I started watching on Amazon, this, uh, sort of Scottish show called the rig, which is kind of a, um, if you call it in sort of the, I guess, lost sort of, uh, tradition of you know this group of people in a secluded place and a disaster happens and they all are you know mysterious events are happening that might be supernatural or it might be scientific and they're all trying to figure out what's going on it's not great there's a it's just (laughs) filled (laughs) it's not that great it's just it's filled with all of these like delightful scottish actors that i've loved in different things so i Mm -hmm. enjoy seeing them all be together and be Scottish, but yeah, <laughs> you know, it's, it's a nice, fun little comfort watch. Love that journey for you. Love that. Very much. Um, <laughs> what about you? What have you been watching? Yeah. Uh, I've watched RRR this week. <laughs> I, uh, yeah, when I, when I work, I have no life. So, uh, yeah, I barely even had time to watch this movie because it's three and a half hours long worth it but yeah I didn't I haven't really had time to watch anything else I've done a few a few like YouTube binges here and there because YouTube it's like you can watch a couple five minute videos or ten minute videos and that's it but you know that's yeah that's it (laughs) I understand and uh be prepared for that for uh probably the next couple months guys so yeah, Geneva will be the one uh, keeping this segment alive. <laughs> <laughs> I'll do my best. Yeah. <laughs> Hopefully things will calm down on my end as well. Yeah. Um, okay, cool. So let's let's go ahead and move into our review. Um, I want to start off by saying two things. First thing, I'm getting over a cold, so my brain is not fully, like, it's not fully functioning, not fully there, uh, because it's just hazy and stuffy. So if I speak nonsense in this, uh, I don't blame my personality and my intellect. Blame my cold. <laughs> um, <laughs> other weeks, you can blame my personality and my intellect, but not this week. Um, <laughs> so that's the first thing. The second thing is, um, I just want to say off the top, if it's not obvious <laughs> up until this point, Geneva and I, neither of us are Indian. Uh, (laughs) Wait, I'm sorry, what? (laughs) Yeah, so we are going to be talking about this movie from the perspective of being fully American people who have watched this movie and we have formed our own opinions on it in terms of how we enjoyed it or didn't enjoy it. I don't know Geneva's feelings about this movie yet, so I'm not going to say, but I'm just talking about how I love it and she'll talk about her perspective. Um, I've done... I've Two done, Americans, to be clear, who also, well, speaking for myself, and I think for you, but you can correct me if I'm wrong, who also are pretty 
don't have a whole lot of experience with Bollywood film in general and are very limited in their knowledge of the Bollywood film industry or Bollywood film history or, or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I just wanted to say that off the bat, I've done um, a little bit of research here just to kind of um, know a few culturally relevant things about this film and, and all of that. I'm not even going to be reading my own interpretations. I'm going to be reading specific um, articles and research from other people who actually know what they're talking about. <laughs> um, so hopefully that'll help us know the context of this a little bit better. Um, and yeah, so I guess like, just to say right off the beginning, um, this movie is actually not a Bollywood film. It's a Tollywood film. Um, because India is a really, yeah, India has a big film industry. Um, and this movie actually, even though the Netflix version is in the language of Hindi, which is normally the language of Bollywood films, the language of this film is Telugu, which, um, comes from a region in India, which is in like the Southeastern part of the country. Um, so the fact that this is a Tollywood film, I'll get into this a little bit, but the fact that this is a Tollywood film that made it to be in such a, it made it so it, it became such a big thing and was known around the world. It wasn't just a big thing for Indian film and Bollywood film. It was really huge for Tollywood because Tollywood is, um, even less known than Bollywood. So, um, yeah. And in, in America, you mean? Well, I mean, kind of globally. I mean, a lot of people know Bollywood and they don't know Tollywood. So, um, gotcha. Yeah. I had no idea that that was a distinction. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, I mean, I'm bummed that Netflix for whatever reason doesn't have the Telugu version. It only has the, it dubbed in Hindi, but I was very blessed to have the opportunity to see this in Telugu at a screening where SS Rajmuli, the director was present, which was super cool. We'll oh go my into gosh, that later. that's so cool. Um, but yes, anyway, before I go on, you know, uh, that train of things, uh, I'll start with like my beginning introduction here. Um, so I, I'm sure you guys already know, but I will explicitly state today <laughs> on the show, we will be discussing director SS Rajmuli's 2022 masterpiece, RRR. This Tollywood film stars, please forgive me, I don't speak Telugu, I, I don't, I, I'm probably pronouncing these names wrong, um, but this Tollywood film stars Ramcharan Teja and N.T. Ramarao Jr. with a supporting cast made up of Alia Bhatt, Olivia Morris, and one of India's biggest stars, A.J. D- I'm so sorry, I don't know his last name, I probably should have done research on that. D-E-V-G-N. I am so sorry, AJ, Ajay, however you say it. I should have done research. Um, but yeah, he's one of India's biggest stars and he's another star in this movie. And um, which, the, uh, which character does does he play? Just out of curiosity, because I know he, he doesn't plays, play one of the two um, Ram's dad. So oh, he, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. he's a huge, huge um, Indian film star that's been around oh, that's for so decades. Cool. Um, so that, yeah. oh my goodness, that's so cool because that influences then how you read the, the flashback that comes at that point in the narrative, like mm-hmm. to have a sudden cameo halfway through the film that recontextualized the main character's backstory and have it be this massive star. Like, you know, if, if it was an American film and all of a sudden you had a, a flashback and it was, I don't know, Leonardo DiCaprio playing the, <laughs> the lead character's, you know, father, like. Oh, that's really cool. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so 
With a budget that converts to 69 million US dollars, RRR has become the most expensive Indian film ever made. It was a hit at the box office in both India as well as worldwide. It grossed $30 million on its opening day worldwide, and it has now become the third highest grossing Indian film and the second highest grossing Telugu film worldwide. RRR tells the story of two Indian men who become the most unlikely of friends while living in their home country during a time of British occupation in the 1920s. Raju is a, is a soldier in the British army looking for a tribal leader who has entered the city to protect a member of his tribe that has been taken. And the other, Beam, is the tribal leader that Raju is in fact searching for, but neither of them know truly who the other is. They begin a journey together, and as tension builds, their friendship is put to the, text, to the test. So that's kind of the, the general context of how this movie was made, um, kind of the influence it has in India, around the world, and the basic premise of the movie. Um, and before we get into this, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, the cultural relevance and mythology of this movie, because um, the characters of Ram and Beam, they are very loosely based off of a, real people that actually existed, but also they are metaphors for like two very prominent characters, not characters, but two very prominent people in mytho in Indian mythology. So um, I just wanted to read a quote from an article that comes from Collider and it was written by Nathan Mazels. And it says, Besides looking awesome, the physics-defying fight scenes also help to contribute to the epic proportions of RRR's plot, a story based on two of India's most famous epics, the Ramayana and the Mahabharata. The story is also a historical fiction based on two revolutionaries, Komaram Bhim and Aluri Sitarama Raju. In the film, we see the parallels between the major plot points and symbolism used by RRR and the religious epics. So, yeah, I, I tried to do research on this as far as like the specific people, as well as the mythical people that they're kind of influenced by. And it became a thing where I was like, OK, this is becoming like a school paper. I don't have time <laughs> to do extensive <laughs> research about this, um, but it was very interesting. So I would encourage anyone who wants to know more about the just the cultural figures that these characters are based off of and inspired by, please feel free to do that on your own time. Um, when I have more time, I would love to look into it. Um, yeah, I just wanted to make That's sure so that cool. we address that and acknowledge that before we jump into the movie specifically and the characters that we see here. Um, yeah, it's fascinating. I knew they were based on, loosely based on real revolutionary figures. Their, their friendship, I believe, is an invention of the movie, right? The the real figures, I think, did not know each other yeah. in real life to our knowledge. But I did not know that it was also influenced by um, Indian folkloric sort of uh, like ep liter epic literature. I did not. Oh, that's so interesting. Yeah. yeah. Now I want to oh, go. Do <laughs> yeah. Like I said, it's really interesting. But the more I looked at it, I was like, this is a lot of research of a lot of just cultural it, the depths of this go way deeper than I have time yeah. <laughs> to dive into right now. But there's definitely a lot there and a lot to learn, not just about the characters that they're based off of, but also about just the history of India and the occupation that Great Britain had there, as well as everywhere else in the freaking world. Like, ah. But um, 
Yeah. So th th that's what I mean when I say there, there's so much that we could talk about here, but because Geneva and I are both Americans who don't really know much about this part of the world or the history of this, and we didn't have time to do like lots of research, we're just going to kind of state that and put it to the side and then move forward and just talk about the movie itself. Um, so yeah, that being said, um, because this is our first movie that we've discussed that came out this year, we are going to have a short little spoiler-free section starting right now. And then just to kind of talk about our initial feelings about the movie. And then after that, I'll let you guys know when we'll move into spoilers in terms of the specifics of the plot. So all of that being said, um, Geneva, can you share with I was going to say with us, but with me, because I have no idea. Can you please share with me and us uh, your feelings about this movie? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I, I love this movie. This movie is a total blast. Um, I will not say I loved it as much as you, just because I don't think it's possible for any human being to love this movie as much as Tatum. <laughs> Tatum is literally obsessed movie. with I've seen this movie five times in the last like four months. <laughs> Fifteen plus hours of her life. Yes. <laughs> and watching this movie, which no I regrets. No respect. Regrets. Yes. <laughs> highly respect. But yeah, I I so I've only seen this movie once <laughs> in comparison. But yeah, I yeah, had an absolute blast with it. It is a little bit um it is interesting because it is it's a very accessible movie to an American who does not have any sort of uh, point of reference whatsoever to most of this history, you know, apart from a general awareness that, you know, India was a, uh, a, a colony of Britain at this time, um, that it would not become independent for another couple of decades, that the um, British were bad and oppressive and the Indian uh, population had heroes who uh, fought back against it. You know, that's really all you need to understand. There's a lot of, I'm sure there are a lot of nuances of specific political movements or ideologies. And I think there are nuances there or details there that I probably missed just because I don't really understand the the context in which those things are happening. But in broad strokes, it's a very, very accessible movie. You know, the heroes are the heroes and they are powerful and badass and hot and great and you want to cheer and the bad guys are bad and they twirl <laughs> their mustaches and cheer when they get brutally murdered. Um, yeah, the characters are all very well defined. The There's a lot of plot that happens. I mean, it's a three-hour movie, but it does not drag. There's just so much that they get through. But it's by and large, you know, very easy to tell what is going on at any given moment. Uh, it's not it's not confusing. It doesn't drag. It's very well paced. And yeah, just the action is so cool. <laughs> you know, it is so well directed where there is there are fight scenes where the choreography, every bit of choreography is just so well defined. You know exactly what is happening. Even when the physics makes absolutely no sense, you can tell exactly what, mean, what is happening. All of these things are 100% possible. It is 100% possible to sit on your friend's shoulders <laughs> and the two of you just, you know, whip yourselves up and around so that you can kick an enemy soldier in the face. Uh, yep. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> 10 out of 10. No, no. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, but it's just so well filmed where even when 
things are happening that physically are impossible. Every, you know, action has a reaction and things build. Uh, slow motion is used quite a bit in a sort of, you know, to my American eyes, my feel like my point of reference is like a Zack Snyder film or something like that, where things are slowed down so you can see what's going on and kind of build that sort of, you know, the badassness of the moment. But it's it all it all feels very I don't know if natural is the right word, but it doesn't feel sort of annoying or showy or anything like, like that. Forced. It's just yeah, this is how it is. And it's it's everything is specifically chosen and engineered in a very precise and well done way to make every every emotion the most emotion you know when something is badass it is the most badass when there's a sweet moment between friends you're just it is the sweetest you know when the 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 hero one of the heroes is talking to his girlfriend his girlfriend there's there's a very sort of you know again american reference point it reminded me in some ways to the adventures of robin hood that we did a few weeks ago in the sense that it it is very archetypal you know there are fair ladies and damsels who are beautiful and pure and sweet and they're you know brave masculine heroes who defend them they each have their moment to be really cool and to save the day which is awesome and the bad guys are bad and the good guys are good. And it's just, this is what we need sometimes, you know, we just need a rousing movie like this. And yeah. so I really, really enjoyed it. Um, and I love the friendship between the two main characters. Would love to see more types of friendships like that in our, you know, awesome action cinema. And yeah, th those are my thoughts. Uh, let it be known, even though you guys can't see me, that I am beaming, right? <laughs> Pun not Tatum's intended. so happy. Pun not intended, but I am absolutely beaming right now because Geneva touched on so many things, which is why this is this has now become one of my favorite movies of all time. I think it's a perfect film because it does everything and it does everything so well. It has action, it has romance, it has war, it has tension, it has friendship, it has family trauma, it has comedy, it like, it has, it even has horror in it and like gore in it. Like so it does yeah. all of the things, but it doesn't, I've seen so many other movies try and do all of these different things and it just becomes kind of disjointed and mumbled and it doesn't make sense. And it's like, okay, you guys are just throwing a bunch of things at the wall and hoping something sticks, but this really doesn't work. Whereas this movie is, you can tell that there was a, a clear idea of what Rajmuli wanted to do. And because of that, it was executed so well. Um, it truly feels epic, which is why the three mm -hmm. hour runtime. I mean, I, I know that's much more common in, in, I think it's like three and a half in Indian cinema then possibly yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm not I'm not exactly sure but three hour plus runtime I know that's a lot more common in Indian Indian cinema than it is in well becoming more common in yeah. American cinema but this movie truly does feel epic like the amount of things that they need to get through and the amount of genres and emotions that it, it goes through it it really does run the gamut and so that runtime does not feel unearned or out of place yeah i mean it was interesting because at the screening that i went to where rajmuli was there we had a q a after and he said or maybe he said this before we started the movie i don't remember 
but he did say at one point like yeah in india we don't have intermissions in the theater but like because we're in america i guess you guys are gonna have an intermission halfway through because you guys can't sit in a theater three and a half hours <laughs> that's and funny because they movies. don't that's funny because we don't actually have intermissions anymore unless you're watching a classic film or you know, I guess they decided to do it for this one, but it's actually something that kind of frustrates me sometimes. I'm like, I really wish we could have an intermission in the middle of Avatar, yeah. the way, you know, <laughs> so I could like take a break. Uh, but anyway, yeah. anyway, that's interesting. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I guess before we jump into more specifics and spoilers and stuff, I will just say, I I absolutely love this movie. Um, it's I think I've mentioned before on this podcast that one of my the kind of one of the reasons I love watching movies is because I love watching movies from other countries and other cultures and other languages so that I can learn. That's kind of my that's kind of my thing. Like I love discovering movies from, you know, Pakistan or Korea or Argentina or where it's. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, just, yeah, just not France. Uh, no, just I've, kidding. I've tried with France and my I know you I have. have tried. Maybe one day um, one will unlock it. Maybe one day yeah, we'll find one. Yeah. And for a very, very long time, I've had in the back of my mind, I really want to get into Indian cinema. But I, because I've been busy watching a million other movies, I had never gotten into or started watching movies from India. And so this was kind of my first exposure to that type of thing. So for me, and maybe my opinion will change once I start watching more films from India, but for me, I watched this movie and my response was, I have never, ever seen anything like this before. Never. And whenever I experience something like that, because I've seen so many movies Whenever I watch something that shows me something new and something that expands my idea of what the art form of cinema can do, it makes me really excited and it makes me really happy that movies like this actually get made. And because, and this is kind of my own journey, I guess, because I can be kind of a pessimist sometimes, but sometimes I get really sad about the art form of cinema and how in a lot of ways it feels like it's dying because there aren't many more innovative ideas that are being seen by lots of people and therefore less original ideas are actually getting money to be made. And this just keeps getting worse and worse with every year that goes by. But this movie put hope in my heart of like, there are original movies and original ideas that really push the bounds of what cinema can do and there are still people out there around the world that can appreciate them and see the value in it. Um, so anyway, I'm not going to talk about that for forever because <laughs> I, I could Tatum for a could long go time. on for literally. Yeah, <laughs> don't get me started on the death of cinema and how passionate I'm about it and blah, 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 and where money goes and what movies are made and what people watch and blah. Then I'll just get angry. But this, this movie, it not only is just a fantastic movie – as a whole, I think it's a perfect film. I would not change anything about it. But the fact that it just brings hope and inspires me is kind of the thing that really brought it to the next level for me. 
Um, and I just wanted to share this with everyone that I knew. Like I made my brother watch it and then my brother was like, oh my gosh, I need to watch this again. And then I told one of my friends to watch it and she was like, oh my gosh, I need to tell another person to watch it. And then I told another friend and he was like, oh my gosh, I need to, like, this is a movie where every single person that I know that has watched it is like, that movie was fucking great. And I'm like, I know it was. (laughs) So I, um... Yeah, I just, I hope more people see this movie. I know it's long, but like Geneva said, it doesn't drag. It really doesn't. It earns its runtime. Um, and it's it's just a really well-crafted, beautiful story with all of the emotions. And I love that. So <laughs> all of that being said, um, if you don't want to be spoiled for the movie, which I would say if you haven't seen it, Please don't be spoiled. Go watch it and then come back and listen to the rest. Um, we will be we'll be moving forward now. Spoiler until alert: I... the good guys win. So. <laughs> <laughs> if you couldn't tell, um, yeah. Spoiler: alert, the good guys win. Um, but even within that, though, there's so much emotion. This movie's not just like good versus bad. Like there's it's it's not it's not cheesy. It's so like it's grounded. At least in my opinion, it's not cheesy. Like it's grounded in a lot of heart and reality and true emotion. So it's not just like oh the good guys win because good guys win. It's like no. They're fighting for a noble cause and they earn they they earn their their win through having crazy superpowers, but <laughs> but it's great. Um I mean this movie is basically a superhero Tatum. I I mean I will stay away from that word. <laughs> I will not say that word on this podcast. <laughs> Um, I will steer Sorry, clear. I, just, I knew that would. <laughs> I, I will steer clear um, because I'm not. The thing is, I don't disagree with you, but I also hate that that's a constant comparison between this movie and other things. It's like this movie exists on its own. Let's not compare it to an entire other conglomerate of whatever. Um, at the risk of alienating people and making people angry, I will not talk about that. Uh, Jenny, I actually, I actually do want to ask before we move into spoilers. I guess without going into specifics, is there anything about this movie that didn't work for you? Anything that you, that like you didn't like, or I'm just curious. That's a good question. <clears throat> Nothing immediately comes to mind. Okay. Um, Cause again, you know, the things that I feel like I didn't, weren't fully able and able to enter into mm-hmm. is purely because this is a culture and a history that is so unfamiliar to me. So there are a lot mm-hmm. of details. I'm like, I, I feel like I know that I'm missing something here, but that's just because this movie was not made for me. Yeah. Um, I can't think of anything off the top of my head where I think I, you know, I think this is a, a poorly done choice or something okay. like that. Okay. I was just curious um, because I don't, because I think this movie's perfect. So I was just curious if there was <laughs> like, I was like, if, if there is a flaw in this, I want someone to tell me what it is because I don't <laughs> see it. Um, okay, cool. So we're going to move into spoilers now, you guys. So, uh, go watch the movie and then come back if you haven't seen it. Um, <laughs> we wait for three and a half hours and then we, uh, <laughs> we're taking a three and a half hour. Yeah, uh, come back at, uh, three and a half hours. Um, SS Rajamuli would be so disappointed in us. Yes. Um, okay. So I guess there, there's a few fun facts that I just want to kind of say at the beginning, um, one of the things that uh, Rajmuli talked about in his interview at the screening that I went to was he um, he said that, so I don't know if you know this, Geneva, but the title of this movie 
actually was not Rise, War, Revolt initially, because obviously Rise, War, Revolt is like English. That's not Toluca. <laughs> so, yeah. so the reason that this was initially called RRR is because <laughs> Raj Mouli and the two main actors, they're all kind of like friends and they were working on this movie and they're like, we don't have a title yet. So I guess for now we'll just call it RRR because that's the first letter of each of our names. <laughs> so they're like, it'll be R for Rama, it'll be R for Ram and R for Rajmuli. And so they just like went with that for a while and then they kept using it. They're like, well, I guess it's RRR. How can we make this work? <laughs> they had to um, kind of come up with, that's really interesting because I felt like that title, even though the title is not said within the movie, it kind of um, connects just as a phrase with the mm. um, load, aim, shoot um, quote that is said a couple times, the one that you used at the top of the episode. Mm-hmm. And so I think I subconsciously kind of connected the two. Um, oh, interesting. But they're completely, yeah, completely separate from each other. Huh, that's so funny. Yeah, he said that. He said that in the theater, and everyone was just like laughing. It's like a movie um, being called uh, "Untitled Star Wars Project" or something oh, like right. that, and they just never changed the name. <laughs> right. Um, yeah, but okay. So actually, Geneva, if you don't mind me kind of taking over for a little bit, so before we oh, get into the plot, I would love to just share my experience of seeing this in the theater. Um, because so I watched this movie. So I think this movie came out in. I think March of 2022 or something in like India that or in the United States. Uh, I mean like in the U S for, for us to be able to okay. see it, I think. Um, but I, I was living in Spain at the time and traveling back. And so I wasn't able to see it. So I didn't catch this movie until it was on Netflix. So I watched it for the first time in September and I fell in love with it. And I was like, man, I wish I was up. Oh, sorry. I was just going to ask out of curiosity, how did you first hear about this movie? Uh, because I'm a nerd and I do research about it. <laughs> I was just um, wondering if someone had told you about it or if you'd seen it, you know, listed no, on the blog or something there. No, it was just online everywhere. Maybe it was on IndieWire or something, but it was online and it was like, this movie is the best movie of the year from India. And I was like, okay, sounds interesting. I've been wanting to watch Indian movies. Let's check it out. Um, and then I also was like, oh, three hours. I don't know. And then one day I just was like, well, here we go. And it was amazing. Um, So yeah, I watched it for the first time on Netflix in September. And when I finished that, I was like, man, I really wish I could have had the opportunity to see this in theaters because I just would love to watch this with other people in a dark room with great sound and all of those things. And so the Music Box Theater in Chicago, which is an amazing theater, art house theater, uh, historic in Chicago, they sent out an email that was like, hey, we are doing one screening of this movie where director S.S. Rajmuli will be present. Tickets are limited. Seats are limited. Get them now or never. And I was like, I'm buying them right now. And so I bought a ticket to go see this at the music box. And uh, and I went by myself, which is pretty normal for me. Um, which was actually great because then I got to interact with the people around me and kind of ask them, what do you think? Have you seen this or have you not seen it before you got here? All of that stuff. And um, let me just say that I, I get very emotional about just going to the theater and the concept of watching movies in the theater. It's something that I really value. It's something I've always loved and always will. This theater going experience was the absolute best experience I've ever had. Like it was 
what's the word I'm looking for? It, it like it was it was like euphoric. It was like I literally was riding high. Like I woke I, I think I went to go see this on a Saturday and I was like running on adrenaline the rest of the day because I was so hyped and I woke up Sunday morning and I literally still felt like I was high or something. Oh like gosh, that's so it, cool. It was crazy because seeing this movie in theaters again, it was a packed, completely sold out screening. It was full. So this theater probably holds, I don't know, maybe like 300 people. So a packed theater of people who wanted to be there, of film nerds who are all in on this movie, excited to be here with the director, whatever. And it was literally like people were screaming, they were hooting, they were hollering, we were laughing, people were getting up and dancing when songs were playing. Like oh my gosh. we were we were clapping, we were chanting, we were shouting. Every single time the British people were on the screen, we were booing. Like it was amazing. In the beginning, when we're introduced to the characters, like when we first see Beam freaking standing above the water, dripping the blood on his head, everyone's like, Wah! it like, it was like, I don't even know how to describe it, but it was just like being on a complete high for four hours in a room with a bunch of people that are all incredibly excited to be there. And during the intermission, just turning to the person next to me and being like, what do you think so far? Like, have you seen this? And then him being like, no, I haven't seen this. Like, this is fucking great. And I'm like, yeah, I know. And then turning to the guy next to me, he's like, I saw it, but this is so much better in the theater. And then the woman in front of me is like, hey, guys, let's talk. Like, we were all like, should we all go out to dinner after and like talk about this movie? It was oh great. Gosh. And then afterwards I wrote a review on Letterboxd and like then everyone else that went to the same screening was writing reviews on Letterboxd and we were all like commenting on each other's reviews. We were like, we should all get together and like form a club and watch this movie again. Oh my gosh. It was like. That's so cool. It was just like so many people don't understand the value of going to the theater anymore and I'm not going to. I'm not going to get on my pedestal right now of like telling people why that's a problem because whatever. But one of the things that I really value about seeing things in the theater is when you see it with other people, it becomes a communal experience. Yes. Oh, my God. Especially when a theater, I cannot even remember the last time I was in a fully sold out packed theater. Probably not since I saw Avatar in 2009. Like people just don't go to the theater anymore. And this is a movie that is meant to be seen in a theater because it, like we said before, like it has every single emotion. It has every single aspect of what a movie could be. And it's like, this is meant to be seen in the theater. And so it was just a beautiful experience to be able to share that with other people and really just, I don't know, feel like I could just be my fill, my full film self. And then afterwards, when Raj Mooley came on stage, he literally like, had like a six minute standing ovation. Like he was crying. He was crying because we were all so like, I, I'm going to be honest. I was crying too. But like, <laughs> It was just this incredible moment that I'll probably remember for the rest of my life, but sitting down, just having that Q and a afterward. And I, I don't know if this is true. He could say this everywhere because he did a crazy campaign of trying to get this movie nominated for best picture with like, which like, fuck you, the Academy, I'm super pissed. But like, he was traveling around and, and really trying to campaign for this movie. And 
the, the interviewer asked him, like, out of all the screenings you've been to, how does Chicago compare? And he was like, Chicago is hands down the best. And everyone was like, yeah, <laughs> which you might say that everywhere. I don't know. Sure, but, sure. But it was, oh, that's it, so beautiful. It was very special to us. And um, yeah, I just, I, I mean, I, this movie, I saw it initially in my home before I saw it in the theater. And I think I would have loved it regardless, but especially having had that experience in the theater, this is a movie that is so dear to me and so special to me. Um, that I will cherish it in my heart forever. So thank you, Raj Mooli, for changing my life, giving me that experience, and um, giving me hope for movies yet again. So yeah, that's that's my my long like spiel. But, I feel uh, like I should applaud. <laughs> I, <laughs> little, yeah. little dainty golf, golf claps. Yes, that was it. Was it was amazing? Like, there's just so much in this movie. Just imagine watching because. There's so much of this movie to get excited and hyped about, right? Like, oh my gosh, this is so cool. This is awesome. This is so fun. Like, whoa, that guy sucks. Like, whatever. Mm-hmm. But being able to be in a room with a bunch of people and you can fully let that out. And then the fact that other There's people are letting like it, it out. It really isn't. It's like everyone just gets louder and louder. It's like, oh, wow, we really have permission to do this. So, like, people get more and more rambunctious and crazy. And, like, it was so fun. It was so fun. Anyway, Geneva, I'm going to let you uh, talk for, <laughs> for a while. <laughs> wow, so, I can't. I don't have anything else to I, top that. Good. Why heavens. don't Why don't you get us Why don't you get us started off? Like, start wherever you want in terms of the like the initial the initial parts of the movie. Is there anything in particular that you that you want to call out or talk about? Um, however, you want to define the beginning of the movie. But is there anything there that you specifically want to um, address? Uh, oh gosh, that's a broad question. I <laughs> know. Guess, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a really broad question. I'm just trying not to like take over and only have me talk. Girl, so like, I am so ready for you to take over because <laughs> I know this is your favorite film of the year, and then also possibly one of your favorite films. Not possibly. I know. Yeah, for, one of your favorite films of all time. <laughs> so I'm like, I am fully prepared to sit back and let you monologue about this movie for as much as you want because I have things to say, but I. I'm sure you have five times as many things as you could possibly say. The thing is, Geneva, I think you're right. But also, like, in my mind, I'm like, this isn't a conversation just between the two of us where, like, you're fine with listening to me talk for an hour. I'm like, there's other people (laughs) listening to this and they probably want to hear Geneva's thoughts, too. Or maybe not just, like, have me take over for forever. (laughs) So um, I will ask the same question and answer it however you will. Is there anything in the beginning that you would like to talk about? Um, let's see. Um, can, can you remind me what is the actual opening scene? Because I like I'm thinking of like all these scenes that are early on, but I don't remember what the yeah. actual opening is. So the initial opening is when Molly gets taken from her okay. from the tribe, and then I couldn't remember if there's anything before that. Yeah, and then after that, we're introduced to Rom, and then after that, we're introduced to Beam. So that's kind of yeah. the beginning. <clears throat> Yeah, because that's the thing, too, is like a, a lot of my thoughts are sort of overall like about the like one thing that I really find interesting about this movie, which I wasn't really expecting because I intentionally did not look up the plot ahead of time. It I think from what I had known about the movie is I had expected it to the two characters to become friends. Well, they they become friends fairly early on, but I expected them to be on the same side 
fairly uh, early on and most of the uh-huh. films be them together fighting the British. And so what I hadn't realized is how much of this movie is basically structured as a rom-com where one the two characters meet early on, they hit it off, and then there's a sort of misunderstanding, which is not really a misunderstanding, but, you know, they're not quite aligned yet in their, their goals. And so they don't understand what the other person is doing. And so first one of them is chasing after the other and has imprisoned the other and, you know... And then it kind of goes the opposite way, where the other one thinks that he's he's bad and is um, fighting against him. And then it's finally only at the end that they finally resolve their differences and um, and come back together. And of course, the entire time, you know, you two are soulmates in a you know in the sense of you know you're you're perfectly your goals are aligned and you work so well together and you both. You know, are fighting you're both gods. Things. Yeah, you're both, both super gods. have these incredible superpowers, and you should be on the same side. So the whole time they're, you're rooting for them to finally resolve their misunderstanding and get you know get together in terms of their alignment. Um, but yeah, so um, sorry, <laughs> that was like my overall thought. But That's you fine. asked about the beginning. Um, yeah, to backtrack, so. Yeah, that scene where Molly is taken, I guess the one thing that really stands out just to start with, and we've mentioned this a little bit before, this movie is really brutal and it's violent. Mm. You know, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of gore, not like a sort of saw level of gore or anything like that. It's not, you know, torturous, but it's not afraid to go there. And so when she is taken, I remember, just remember there's this one really brutal moment where a soldier bashes Molly's mother in the head with the gun and she looks like she's dead, although she appears to be alive at the end when Molly is, spoiler alert, returned, mm-hmm. <laughs> rescued and returned. So I guess she wasn't dead, but it really is, it's shocking, you know? It really sets up early on just these the these British characters, they are bad. <laughs> they are, there is no good about them whatsoever. They are the bad guys. They are doing bad things. They exist to be bad. And... Um, and it's, it's not done in a sort of, I I don't say that in a, in any way, a negative way, because that's exactly how it's intended. You know, they are these characters who are intended to inspire these feelings, um, in the audience of just horror and revulsion. And so it becomes so cathartic later on when they are taken down by the heroes. But yeah, that opening scene where the, um, the wife of the, I don't know what he is, a general or a, a governor, maybe, of the, the section of Delhi. Um, the Ray Stevenson character and then Allison Duty plays his um, wife, where they just so casually and callously, you know, decide that they want this child and that they can pay off the parents and just take take her, you know, pay her, pay them off with such a small amount. And you know, there's this sort of language misunderstanding where the mother does not realize at first that they're paying for her child and not just a song from her child. And so when, when she goes running after them, you, you're, you're so fully with her and you're so horrified, you know, then when the, when she's um, attacked by these soldiers and yeah, it's just, it's very brutal. It's very effective. And that really, it raises the stakes and raises the, um, it sets the tone for, how um extreme the violence is going to be both in what the heroes have to endure 
um, as they're pursuing their goals, and then also how cathartic it's going to be when the the villains are finally brutally murdered in turn. Yeah, I will. I will say. Um, <clears throat> I, I was going to wait to bring this up till the end, but I, I guess it doesn't matter. Um, talking about the just the incredibly evil portrayal of the British. When I saw this movie at the music box for that screening <laughs> at the end, when, um, when he's murdered and like his blood splatters on the thing where it says like the sun never, the sun sets, never sets on the, on the British empire. Yeah, yeah. Everyone in the theater was like, yeah, <laughs> it was, it was yep. crazy. Like everyone's going nuts. And it was funny because the, the woman who was interviewing him actually asked him, so you've been doing screenings of this all over the world. How was this movie received in Great Britain <laughs> or in England or whatever? And he was like, they loved it. <laughs> so, um, I know. I'm really curious because um, when this movie came out, I was actually living in the UK. Um, I was living in Scotland. And I don't think it ever came to a theater near me. Um or possibly it may have come at a time when I was really buried in schoolwork or something like that. But I really wish I'd had a chance to see it in a theater in the UK because they are just very, um, in my experience, not uh, very sort of vocal, I guess, is the term. You know, you go see a, th a movie and it's not very often that you will hear the audience around you reacting to things. They're just, they're not like American audiences in that way. They're much more reserved in their reactions so i would be very curious to go to a a screening that was more full and see what the reaction would have been especially because it was scotland and not england too i yeah i'm just very curious what that would have been like wish i had yeah. a chance yeah i i wish you had the chance i would love to have heard about that <clears throat> um yeah that's I great think, though yeah th there were so many fun things that we learned in that interview some of which i'll bring up later um, but yeah, I think, so talking about the brutality, I guess, again, so I watched this movie. So one of my really good friends, she is Indian and I was telling her about this movie and her parents are immigrants from India. So like, she's not very far removed from, you know, living there. And, um, I was like, I really would love to watch this movie with you so that you could kind of just maybe shed some light on things or tell me your thoughts or whatever. And, um, cause she, she has seen way more Indian films than I have because she grew up, you know, in that kind of um, culture where they watched that stuff because she's Indian. And she told me, and this is just her opinion, so I'm not saying this as a blanket statement for all Indian people or all Indian movies, but she told me, she was like, this movie does feel similar to other movies that I've seen in the sense that it is over the top and has a lot of things that kind of defy gravity and physics and all of that. But she goes, but also I really like that this movie has an important, like it, it has a moral and it has a really strong purpose and a, and a good, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Like, um, I, I don't even know, but like it, it has a strong moral and it has an important lesson to be learned that it's trying to convey and she was like, that is not something I've seen in a lot of movies that I watched growing up. It was kind of just the the over the top and, and the fun and the action without really having the purpose underneath. Yeah, the and sort of so, revolutionary political messaging, which well, again, even, I don't... Not I even don't. necessarily just that, but just like, but like it, her her perspective was not even just like revolutionary, but just having some sort of purpose other than this is fun or this is romantic or whatever. And... 
again, I haven't seen more and that's just her opinion, but I thought it was interesting her saying that this movie for her, given what she'd seen was unique in the sense that it has, um, it has a real importance to it. And I think that we see that through, yes, this movie is, is really fun. It's so much fun, but there also is like, we both keep saying, or I guess I keep saying like, there is a brutality to it in order to kind of give everything I don't know, it creates this balance of, of yes, there's goodness in this world, but that's what we're trying to preserve. And we're showing these evil people that are coming in and trying to take that away from us. And um, well, I just and, love that dichotomy. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And what I lo love about it, too, is that it represents this sort of longstanding and, you know, genuinely complex um question of when you're trying to affect some sort of political change there there's a sort of ideological ideological split between the heroes where one is just very straightforward in his aims and the other is sort of um more you know he is um he's undercover he's attempting to become the british the image of the idealized british officer but in order to subvert um the british empire um you know, through that sort of, not underhanded, but, um, you know, from within in, in a sort of sense. And they, the two come in, into conflict because of the the differences in the way they're trying to achieve the same aims. And um, yeah, I just find it really interesting the way that there is this um, genuine difference in the way they try to, to go about um, this yeah, these, <laughs> their goal, and it brings them into conflict, but it, it, and they each have sort of their own strengths and weaknesses because of it. But then at the end, they're able to finally come to a middle ground and find unity again in what they're trying to, to achieve. Well, I think the interesting thing there is that I feel like they're both, this is going to sound really stupid, but I promise it'll make sense. They're both fighting for different things but they're also fighting for the same thing in the sense that Beam is coming from a place where he's like, I want to defend my tribe and my people on a very micro scale. And then Ram is coming from a place where he's like, I want to help the entire country rise up by giving them what they need. And so they're kind of coming from these different perspectives and fighting for these different things but then once they learn each other's stories, they both really bring them together where Beam is like, oh my gosh, I'm recognizing that my friend was fighting for this bigger cause. I want to join in on that because my perspective needs to be bigger. And then Ram comes from this place where he's like, my perspective was too big. I was forgetting about the individuals and I was only thinking about the masses and this larger purpose. And so I love that it kind of... it. it it's this beautiful story of how they start out fighting for different things, but we know that it's the same thing. But then by the end, they both bring those things together and they're both like, Hey, let's, let's unite and, and like, and, and combine Learn our causes together yes. yeah, and make cool, it well this, this, this entire movement type of thing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. also one of my favorite moments in the whole movie, which I think also kind of shows these two different approaches and how they both can and should go together is after Ram is like literally murdering and, and beating 
beamed to death on this post, he he goes he kind of has this this awakening where he says later on he's like all this time I was trying to bring weapons to the people and yet beam inspired them and made all of the people into weapons. I was trying to give people weapons and he inspired them with just a song. And I love that moment because it's just this, this beautiful thing of yes, weapons sometimes can be needed and they can be important, but also art is just as much of a valuable way of inspiring people and you have to give people the heart in order to know why they're fighting so that when they get the weapons, they know what they're fighting for. And I just, I, yeah, I just love how they're, they're two different, they're coming from two different places, but it comes together into this beautiful thing because it's all for the same thing. But anyway, yeah, that, that's one of my favorite lines in the whole, in the whole movie. I think it's just so beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. That's really beautifully put. Also side note, I know that you are very anti Disney Plus, but if you ever get the chance to watch Andor, I'd be very curious to hear your thoughts on it because I feel like there's a lot of there are a lot of thematic similarities, um, but with uh, this movie. Hmm. Interesting. Yeah, uh, probably won't be doing that anytime soon, if ever. <laughs> but uh, I support I support people who watch it. I hear it's good. Um. Yeah. So I think. Gosh, I don't even know. Like, there's just so much. There's so much. Yeah, I don't know how much of the plot itself you want to go through. Um, Because we could go kind of broadly through what happens, or we could just kind of more go by. Yeah, I mean, I think I'm going to be pretty... Maybe it'll start out rigid and it'll flow more as we go on, but I kind of just want to go through the individual bullet points of things that I wrote down, um, as opposed to, like, just scene by scene or plot by plot. Um, but I did want to say that, um, in that, in the first time that we are introduced to Ram, when he's like fighting through this massive like (laughs) group of people in order to find this one guy and bring him, it's like, oh my gosh, dude, like, what are you, I I love, first of all, when you're watching that the first time, you're like, why is he doing this? Like, I, I don't, I don't understand. Aside from establishing that he's this crazy guy who has all these powers, what is his motivation for going yeah. into this crowd to bring back this well, one guy? I thought it was, it's so fascinating because when the, on your first view, or at least on my first viewing, what I assumed his arc was going to be was that he um, has taken on that view that I need to be assimilated into my colonizer and become uh, sort of valued by them you know get this promotion so that i can you know like demonstrate the things that they value um and then that he would become disillusioned by that when he's passed over for the promotion and become a like i knew he was going to end up as a revolutionary in some one way or another um so then when you find out at the midpoint of the movie that actually the entire time he's been working undercover to um, he's been a re- revolutionary all along, basically. And the, the whole reason that he wants to get this promotion is so he can further his goals. Yeah, I was just, I, I wasn't expecting it at that point. And it's just a really neat um, bit of, not subversion, but, um, you know, there are things going on in the plot that you didn't expect. But because, it's because the, that first half of the movie, seeing this character who everything about the movie is telling you is a hero and you know is a hero and yet at the same time he's working for the villains and you're just like 
I don't know whether to cheer for him or not, you know, in, in this scene, you're like, I want to see him succeed, but I also don't because he's working for the British. I don't know how to feel about this. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a fascinating way to, to introduce your hero is have him brutally beat, uh, you know, his uh, countrymen, essentially, you know, sort of demonstrating how, what a gifted soldier he is, but also it's, ugh, it's, it's, unsettling yeah i love i love how the movie establishes a lot of these things in the beginning that you think is just kind of you you don't recognize that it's going to be connected to something later on and then later on they reveal it like i remember the first time i watched this movie obviously i thought it was the like the absolute coolest thing ever when beam is like fighting off a tiger <laughs> and be, I'm like this is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life but I thought that I was just like okay cool he's fighting a tiger awesome but then later we realize it's because he's capturing animals to put them in these cages so that he can <laughs> unleash them upon the British people like I remember when I saw that tiger leap out of that cage I was like oh my gosh <laughs> this is crazy Set up um, and pay off. There's so much of that in this movie, and it's fantastic. Um, but anyway, not to get too far ahead, but so to go back to that opening scene with Ram, I, I remember, like, because there's so much to appreciate about this movie, but one of the things that kind of contributed to me being, like, I've never seen something like this before, was the moment when Ram is, like, fighting through that crowd in the beginning, and then initially everyone kind of jumps on top of him and he falls to the ground, I don't even know how they did this, but there's this incredible thing where the camera is underneath all of these bodies while they're fighting and the camera like moves back and then there's an arm in front of it and then it moves forward again. And it's like, I don't know how this camera is moving through. It literally looks like it's crammed inside of this tight space being tackled by bodies and moving around. And I was just like, I don't know how they shot that. Did they have a little GoPro? Like how did, obviously they didn't have a little GoPro, but how did they film that? And I think it's still, it still looks amazing to me. And the only thing that I can think of that kind of looks like that was in um, the episode of uh, Game of Thrones, the Battle of the Bastards, when John was being suffocated under these people and pulls out. But this was even more than that. It, I, it was just, it seemed so complex to me. And I was just like, well, I don't, I don't know how they did that. Um, but I don't know if you know what I'm talking about or if that stood out to you at all. But um, that particular, the camera work in that sequence, I thought was very impressive. Did that stick out to you yeah. at all? Or? I, I think I remember the moment you're talking about. I mean, that moment is just, because the that scene is just so overwhelming and mm-hmm. you're seeing like five things that you've never seen before on screen mm-hmm. at any given moment. So I can't say that in particular, that specific shot um, mm-hmm. stood out, but that's just because the entire scene, you're like, what is happening? This is crazy. <laughs> yeah. He so. scares me more. Yes. Um, so I guess moving forward from there, I, I will say, even though, even though both of the protagonists in this movie, I absolutely love, 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 love. I will say there beam is a little bit more special to me. I just think, Oh, I was going to ask if you had like a, 
I mean, I think they're, I think they're both amazing, but I think that beam is just, honestly, it probably boils down to this opening sequence (laughs) where he's like standing there above this water and the camera does this like flip upside down. And then he's dripping the blood over his head. And he like, he's fighting a tiger. (laughs) It's it's crazy. And he's like, and and I will say, so I, I'm not someone who. I'm not someone who's like, oh my gosh, I want to watch a movie because like the men are so hot. And like, I am not someone who's super into really, really ripped buff guys. No, no shame to people that look like that or people that are into that. That's fine. But that's just like not typically my, my vibe. But there's something about him fighting a tiger and like pulling <laughs> these ropes together with the hooks and like every single muscle in his body is like activated at 300 percent i'm just like this is insane it is the absolute coolest character introduction i have ever seen in my life and the fact that he like we see in this opening sequence that he is the most badass person to ever walk the earth But then his disguise is this humble man who works at basically just a moto shop who gets beat up. Yeah, that's what's so fascinating about him is that he is this. Yeah, he's so incredibly badass. He's so strong. He has this incredible super strength, and yet you know he gets around Jenny, and he's just this adorable little tongue-tied, like has no idea what to say. You know, just kind of like goofy. Pratfall, like it's it's adorable the the duality that he has, and even with with Mali too, like you see moments he's so brotherly when he it's... sees her through the prison, and he can tell he has to leave her behind. He's like now is not the time, and it it's killing him that he has to leave, but he knows that he has to, and the only way to calm her down is by singing this song from their tribe where they come from. And there's just so much there. I mean, there's so much depth to both of the protagonists. There really is. And I appreciate them both. But Beam just has a little bit more of a special place in my heart. And I, Geneva, I'm actually curious to hear if you would agree with this. And if you don't, that's fine. I'm genuinely curious. But for me, I think that both of these men deserve to be nominated for best actor because they laugh, they cry, they dance, they sing, they fight, they do everything, but everything that they do, none of it feels silly. All of it feels believable and real and grounded and truthful. And it, it touches me, everything that they do. And so for me, I, I was so incredibly impressed with both of their performances. I knew they wouldn't be nominated for best actor. I knew they wouldn't, but I believe that in a perfect world, I believe that in a perfect world, they should have been nominated. Do you, do do you connect with their acting as much or are you kind of like, yeah, it's fine, but I don't think it's the best of the year. You can disagree with me. I'm genuinely curious. Yeah, that's a good question. I, I don't know. It's, it's hard to say because I, I haven't seen several of the, the best actor nominees yet. And so I, it's hard to put them up in a, sort of ranking against performances that I haven't seen. I mean, I I definitely agree with you in the sense that like they do so much, you know. And this is one one reason that I'm I'm a big proponent of um musicals and comedies and 
other things that are not just dramatic performances getting recognized by the Oscars. Like, I mean, I love you know a great dramatic performance and they deserve to get nominated, but there's so much skill involved in doing things like singing, dancing, comedy, you know, believable romance or um, fight choreography. Like all of these things are are elements of acting and they're just not recognized enough. So yeah, I, I can't say, again, I haven't seen s- several of the nominees, so I but can't say specifically, what, but I- Out of what you've seen, out of what you've seen this year. It, I would not, the, yeah, I would not, I would certainly would not be upset if they were, if they were both nominated. I, I, I would be very happy to see both of them be nominated. Also, can I just say too, um, just regarding Beam- um and Raji and the tiger <laughs> well <laughs> well I was just gonna say I'm so happy that you're um you're a, a fan of beam because I'm more of a Raju girl so I love oh, that we have this um I love I mean, that I we love have a spread both, here but... oh yeah to be clear they're both incredible but yeah Raju is the one that I I connected with more so I love that we have a little bit of a of spread on it I love you know I love a conflicted man who's undercover and um, oh, has to yeah, finally that, find himself for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I also find the actor who plays Raju incredibly hot. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> can't, can't argue with uh, you. <laughs> I, uh, when he shows up at the end in his sort of final revolutionary form, where he's shirtless and he has oh, the man. he God. has the bow, I nearly lost consciousness. <laughs> it's incredible. <laughs> So, That's amazing. Yep, I just love gotta that. say, <laughs> love that for you. Yeah, a little thirsty like, moment for both of us. <laughs> I, yeah, I mean, mine was definitely with the tiger. I was like, yeah, yeah, I can. It's see. getting hot in here. I can't. I, I need. I need yeah. to cool off. That's amazing, though. Yeah, yeah. I. Ugh. Yeah, I. Yeah, I love this movie. I. What I think, for me, this movie. There's so many things. Because, so I'm a pretty strongly opinionated person and I'm also very picky. So I feel like sometimes I take stances on things and people are like, oh, well, you don't like it when you don't appreciate when men are hot on camera or you don't like action or you don't like romance or whatever. I'm like, that's not, that's not true there. I can appreciate it. (laughs) It's just, it has to be in specific scenarios in which I connect with the story, but Sometimes people assume like, oh, well, you can never appreciate when someone's hot. I'm like, no, no, I I can get there. Or like, I can appreciate, like, I love the romance that happens in this movie, both between Beam and Jenny and also between Sita and and Ram. Like, I can appreciate both of those things. Um, Anyway, I'm not going to go on defending my own things, but I think like... Well, one of the things that I love about the fact that you love this movie is... I feel like if I was to classify like the, you know, just the broadest stereotypes of what is a Tatum movie, this movie is practically the opposite of all of them. And so the fact that this is a movie that has connected with you so deeply and that you love so much, it's like, I think, you know, I think part of the reason you love it is because, you know, as you said, with a lot of, you know, what you love about foreign films in general is that each of them expands your awareness of film and the world in different ways. But I feel like this movie is also helping me expand my knowledge of what you look for and and love in films. And so I, yeah, I really love that. Yeah, I, yeah, I I love this movie. It's, uh, yeah, I, I love appreciating those things. It's just, they have to be in a specific context where I feel like 
anyway, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do that. But um, yeah, so a couple just, so kind of skipping forward a little bit, I wanted to say, cause I've got a couple things just I'll say throughout this um, things that I learned from the interview from Raj Muli, but one of them is, so the sequence when they're, uh, when they're saving the boy from the, the train that kind of blows up off of the, the train tracks, that train, they actually did that with a miniature, uh, which I thought oh, was really? pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. I was um, wondering about that. That's so cool. I love it when miniatures are used because I feel like nowadays there's just so much CGI. So when miniatures are used, I think it's cool. Yeah. Um, and it looked great too. Mm-hmm. I mean, the CGI in this movie in general looks looks pretty good but yeah that train sequence in particular looked looked especially good so i was curious yeah the cgi looks so good that they had to add a disclaimer in the beginning that no animals were harmed (laughs) (laughs) all animals were cgi none of them were real okay good um yeah so i guess this gets into just the beginning of their of their friendship when they first beat each other which like Geneva, I will say, even though I loved the whole entire beginning of this movie leading up to this point, I thought it was great. I thought it was crazy. The tiger, the jumping through the people to bring this one man, blah, blah, blah. I thought it was amazing. But this was the moment where I was all in on this movie after they rescued rescued this kid. And then they proceed to do like an eight. Oh, wait. Uh, and then and then they proceed to do like an eight minute friendship montage. <laughs> I was like, this is the best uh-huh. thing I've ever seen in my entire life because I I am someone who and Geneva can deny this if she wants to, but I really, really value friendship. And I think that friendship is really important. And a lot of times people don't see how deep it can be and how important it can be just a human existence. And this movie is like, fuck all you people that think that friendship isn't important because we're going to show you it's the best thing ever. You can complete your life. Especially in American culture, we have this sort of anxiety around depictions of really healthy and deep and emotional male friendships. You know, we, they're just not depicted very often. And, um, when they are, they're just, you know, there's often a lot of, yeah, anxiety and, and questioning surrounding that, which is a shame. And so it is so wonderful to see this movie that is so unashamed, absolutely hard on its sleeve about the fact that these two, you know, powerful, you know, strong men are just best friends. Yes. And, you know soulmates basically with each other you know they can they can communicate without words they just understand each other yes they are so in sync with each other um yeah I I love it yeah and I find it I think it's important that you that you said you know there isn't really a place for this in American culture at least not we don't see it very often and I think that further evidence of that is so many people watch this movie and they make jokes about like, oh yeah, these guys are actually gay for each other. Like you can totally tell. And Raj Mali has been very vocal about this is not a gay movie. This is a movie about friendship. Both of them have women that they love. They both support each other, getting back to the women that they love and encouraging them to be with them. This is a movie about friendship. And um, not that he's anti-gay or anything, but he's just like, that's not what this movie is about. 
But because so many Americans don't know what to do with men being vulnerable and being close to each other, they're like, oh, well, it has to be gay. And it's like, well, again, not that there's anything wrong with that, but also it is possible for men to have close, vulnerable relationships where they talk to each other and share with each other and, and have fun with each other, where it's not, it's not something more than that. And, and I just love that this movie shows that this is possible. And I hope that it inspires more men to be friends and not be afraid of that. Cause there's nothing wrong with that. It's beautiful. Don't you want, don't you want a bud to like ride on a motorcycle <laughs> next to you while you're riding yeah. a horse and you guys can race? Like that Just sounds dudes like being dudes, you know? <laughs> yeah. Which, um, which I guess brings us forward to just the whole, uh, I mean, there's so much of this movie where I'm like, oh, I really love this movie. And then this happened. I was like, oh, wow, I love this movie more. And then this time I'm like, I love this movie even more now. And so once it gets to the, after this incredible friendship montage with this song, and I guess like, again, getting into just, I love experiencing different cultures. I love the music of this movie and not just the music, but like the lyrics because the lyrics, if they were in English, it's like, so-and-so, the god of the son of this god, and they become friends, and now they're running and jumping. And, like, it's in English would be ridiculous. It's like, what? But this is so cool because it's like, this is showing me an aspect of another culture where you can have lyrics in a song that are written in this sort of way, but it sounds beautiful, and it yeah, works. Yeah, the music in this the use of music in this film is really interesting. Again, as someone who is not very familiar with Bollywood or Tollywood film, um, because I know music is is used a lot, like musicals are a lot more common there. The way that it's this sort of unseen Greek chorus, um, you know, that that's singing, it's not a specific character singing. You don't see that very often in even musicals when they are made um, in American film. Yeah. Yeah, did I, I do want to ask you before I, I move forward? Was there anything during this this Dosti song, which Dosti literally means friendship? Was there anything during that scene that you loved? Like, I particularly love when they're running underwater towards each other. I, I think it's I think it's so great. Like, is there anything in this particular montage that you really liked? Well, you mentioned it already, but the, the motorcycle and the horse oh, yeah. <laughs> along the coastline, that was like the main image that, that stuck with me. Just, yeah. Man, don't we all want a friend that we can ride our motorcycle next to while they're on a horse? It's so, it's so, I mean, there's so much that happens in that montage of like, watch me do pull-ups now watch me do squats with you on my shoulders. Let's walk on this, like, let's run next to a train and jump through <laughs> there's just so let's have you over to my house and you can meet my family and we'll eat dinner together and like I'll teach you how to read and write books or like read books and write but it's just there's so much there's so much there which I think then helps establish the next portion when when Ram finds out that Beam has a crush on Jenny and so he's like well I know how to talk to women. So like, here you go. I'll help you out, buddy. And it's this whole thing where beam, everything he says is wrong of like, Oh no, there's no train station close to here. Or yeah, I can fix it in five minutes. And Rob's <laughs> like, it'll take five hours. There's no station close to here. He can drive you to where you need to go. <laughs> the car is going to stop right here. Why Such is a the good car going to stop here? Because I dropped nails in the road and her tires are going to burst <laughs> open. Like, Oh, okay. <laughs> Just in orchestrating their entire entire relationship it is so cute 
And just this constant thing of like them both saying things that are so profound than the other person being like, I can't understand you. I don't know what you're saying. <laughs> it's so, it's so great. Um, she's like, did you make this? He's like, no, 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 I made it. It's like, that's, that's what she just asked you, but okay. I also did notice this was the, I did notice it for the first time on this rewatch when, when they first go to the market together and he asks her, he's like, can I come over to your house? I remember in the theater, everyone was like, whoa. And I was like, yeah, but he's asking to come over to her house because he kn- he knows Molly's there. But he actually doesn't know that Molly is there until when she says it after that. So I was like, oh, and he's asking to come over to her house the first time. He's genuinely yeah. like, yo, can I come over to your place and we can have some <laughs> one-on-one time? And um, I guess a, a few other things from this montage. Another thing I noticed this time around was... Because there's this moment where um, where Beam is walking and he's got these two huge, massive things of meat that he's carrying over his shoulder. And um, Ram and his uncle see him and they're like, oh my. And, and his uncle's like, why does he have that much food? And Ram's like, hey, just leave him alone. Like he needs the amount of food that he needs, whatever. And then you see Beam give the meat to his brother and his brother puts it in this hole. And I was like, is that for his brother to eat? Like, I don't, this time I got it. I'm like, Oh, that's where the animals are that they're keeping alive. Oh, I did not get that either. Because you hear like a tiger in the background make a noise when he puts the meat in there. I'm like, oh, that's where they're keeping the freaking animals. (laughs) Like, that's crazy. (laughs) That's Um, great. They're just seeding that in. I did not. Yeah, I did not pick up on that either. Took me five watches to get it. (laughs) Um, Layers. But yeah. And then also one thing that actually, so my friend who's Indian, when we watched this together, she told me, because the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't understand why why some of the characters, Beam in particular, why they keep doing this thing with their head where they're like wagging it back and forth almost or like just moving it from side to side. I was like, why do they keep doing that? Because it happens quite a bit. And my friend said that actually in the Indian culture, it's kind of, she said that the meaning of it can change depending on the scenario. But she said that a lot of the time it's kind of like confusion of I don't know what else to say. And so I'm just kind of reacting, but I don't have words. So I'll just like move my head. So I thought that that was interesting because the first time I watched it, I was like, I don't know why they're doing this, but it's clearly something cultural that I don't understand. And then she helped explain it to me. So I'm glad because I had the exact same question. I was wondering if it was maybe the Indian equivalent of a nod. Um, It sounds like it's similar, but not quite the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like a, I have no other response, so (laughs) here we go. Um, I just have so many things like, we need more friendship montages in in the world. Um, Don't don't call me Mimsav, it's just Jenny, yes? (laughs) Oh, that's such a long name. Don't call me Mimsav, it's just Jenny, yes. Don't call me Mimsav, it's just Jenny. And then he tells Raju, and Raju's like dying. That's not her name, man. It's so adorable. (laughs) And he's like, oh, Jenny much shorter and I was like yes (laughs) which which then brings us to the part where he tells Ram that he was invited to a party and then Ram's like dude you gotta go and then and then Beam's like I can't go by myself you have to come with and then Ram's like okay sure but you can't dress like that and Beam's like why not and then Ram's like let me help you get dressed for this party so he like helps him look all nice and get all dressed up for the party because because they're friends and I love it. They're friends um, and he's such a good wingman and he just wants oh, his body to get the girl. The best. Um, which then 
brings us to the party where the two of them oh. walk in and completely oh. slay, just walking in already. It's like, Ooh. Absolutely slaying from left to right. I just knew when they walked in, I was like, I need to be ready because I don't know. Because when I saw this movie, I had no idea about the Nachu Nachu song. It's Nacho in in the um, in the the Hindi language, but it's Nachu in the Telugu. Um, I had no idea about this dance, about that song. So I was coming in completely not knowing anything. And I was like, I don't know what's going to happen, but it's going to be something great. <laughs> and um, I just loved how... First of all, this guy who's like, what do you know about tango? Blah, blah, blah. He does flamenco. I'm like, brother, I've lived in Spain. Your flamenco is really not that good, but like, whatever. Um, also, but not hey, a British dance. I don't know why you like. Well, why you think you can do that. He's traveled the world. He's the best dancer. Blah, blah, blah. Okay, great. But um, I love how, how like Ram is like, you know what, buddy? I'm going to take over and I'm going to start playing the drums. And then when he does that, um, um, Beam like starts shaking his head a little bit. And then you see the camera rack focus from Rom drumming to the black guy sitting behind him, who's the only black guy there. And he's like, yeah, yeah, like I got this. If, if you didn't catch it the first time, you should rewatch it and see the black guy being like totally in on this thing of like, yeah, these white people, like what's going on? <laughs> I can finally but, get something with <laughs> Yeah. But so when Ram finally stops drumming, he gives the drumsticks to the black guy. He's like, yeah, yeah, I got this. I'll take over. Y'all go do your dancing thing. And so we have the incredible moment with Ram walking over in slow motion <laughs> with the camera looking up at him from underneath. Uh. And it's like, oh, fuck yeah, like, let's Geneva go. Geneva's a puddle on the floor. Oh, it's so great. And then commences this entire incredible, iconic, epic dance sequence that's just the best thing ever. Incredible it's A-plus suspenders choreography. So good. It's just, oh my gosh, it's amazing. And I will say... I have tried to do the Natu dance when I watched it with my brother, him and I both did the Natu dance. Like wow. it's amazing. Um, not the whole thing, but like this was the specific main move. Of They're the so fast. I don't know how you could even like it's, discern the choreography, let alone so, do it. Fun fact, Raj Muli said in the Q and a that they shot this for five weeks this entire like dance sequence they shot for five weeks. So the two actors were doing this dancing for like 12 hours every day for five weeks, which is insane. And then on top of that, he said that like the, the, the set for this was so big, or I guess like the, the number of people was so big. They had anywhere, the, the smallest amount of extras that they had while shooting this was 600 and the largest the, the highest amount of extras was 2,000. So they went anywhere from 600 to 2,000 extras while filming this dance sequence for five weeks in a row, <laughs> which is crazy. I cannot even imagine because these guys are putting their hearts and souls into their... I'm like, how did you not just die? Like, <laughs> this is crazy. <laughs> um but yeah, I love I love how at the end of this dance, like you because you have this sense of like, okay, obviously Ram and Beam are gonna be the ones that are the last ones standing. But then the moment when the two of them are like, oh, we're the last two, now we're oh. going against each other. And it's like this slow motion turning their heads of like, 
are we doing this? Yeah, we're doing this. <laughs> and Raju sees so Jenny looking, shouting for Beam, and he decides to give up, like, yeah. to forfeit so that Beam wins, and he impresses yeah. Jenny, and it's so, so freaking cute. Oh, it's so good. Oh and there's goodness. also the moment before that, like, when all of them are dancing and whatever, and <laughs> Ram has these two short takes that I'm obsessed with. I'm glad they left them in the movie. One of them is him giving a two very like yes. mocking <laughs> thumbs up to the other. He's like, "Good job, you're not like it's it's so good." Yeah, when the British guy finally like yeah. attempts to join in and is it's such a sarcastic yeah. mocking thumbs up. <laughs> it's so great. And then the other one is there's another cut back to Ram and he like has his head thrown back and he's just doing this dance move and he looks like. He is having the time of his life. It's amazing. This whole sequence makes me so happy. It brings me so it's much so joy. Great. It really reminded me, and I know that this is not a movie that you particularly like, but this is a movie that I grew up with and I adore despite all of its flaws. It really reminded me of the barn dance from Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, which is just unbridled, just six, seven minutes of unbridled joy. And, you know, the heroes getting it over on these, you know, stuffy upper class uh, twits who don't know anything and winning over all the girls through the power of their really cool dance moves. It's just, you know, it's just a, an archetype you always love to see, you know, you love to see it. I mean, that's the way that I get won over. I'm like, if you want to dance, that take me away. That's fine. I don't <laughs> care any smooth talking you have. If you can dance, I'm like, sweet, you got a shot. Um, it's, it's so, <laughs> it's damn sorry. It, I mean, honestly, Take it note, is. Boys. <laughs> it is. Uh, everybody has their thing. That's mine. Or apparently, people fighting off tigers. That's fine too. Um, <laughs> <laughs> One of two options: you can dance, yeah. you can fight off a tiger. <laughs> Take your pick. <laughs> um, yeah. So then, after this, we have uh, Ram carrying Beam home because Beam. <laughs> Beam's muscles are completely shot after this epic uh, dance moment. They basically do the most intense uh, Cotton Eye Joe for like eight <laughs> minutes. <laughs> where did it come from? Where did it go? I mean, I understand. I've, I've done that many times myself. <laughs> your, your legs are shot afterwards, I can attest. <laughs> I find it funny, though. It's like you can fight off tigers and be fine, but a dance, like, forget dance. it. You can't walk home. <laughs> <laughs> Um, which then, which then again, like has Ram being an incredible wingman to get him in Jenny's car to go to her house, um, which is where Beam finally sees Mali, and they have this incredibly beautiful moment that we mentioned earlier, where you know he sees her and she immediately wants to be taken home, and he tells her, "I now is not the time because we'll get caught and it'll be." not worthwhile. So I'm going to have to come back. You have to wait. And it's just this beautiful, it's tragic and really sad, but it's this beautiful moment of just seeing the bond that exists between these two people. Um, and just the camaraderie of this, it's like this tribe is a family, you know, and, and the whole reason he's here is to rescue her. And it kind of, um, it kind of reminds him, not reminds him why he's there, but gives him the motivation to push forward because it's been, I think, six months or something and they haven't seen her. So he's like, okay, she is alive. Now it's time to really, really go for this. And so we have the whole moment where, you know, Ram kind of connects the dots. I, I guess like he finds, he finds Beam's brother and then tortures him 
and kind of get some information. He doesn't get information, but he eventually does connect the dots because he sees that they have the same necklace and all those things. And I think I, I, I loved the concept of, um, of Beam's brother kind of taking him down with a snake because when he was trapped and being tortured, I was like, I don't know how he's going to get out of this. And then when he was hitting the, the stick on the ground to bring the snake over, I was like, dude, what are you doing? <laughs> but then when he throws the snake, I was like, oh man, this is cool. And then, which I guess like we can talk about this briefly, but the, the healing powers in this, in this movie are insane. Cause it's like, oh yeah, you're bit by a snake. You'll be dead before the night's over. And then he has some treatments done and then he's alive by a few hours later. And then you well, see later. say, you know, there's no uh, known antidote, but it turns out beam has the antidote. Uh, yeah. And I mean, there are so many moments in this movie where the leaves should both be dead. It's <laughs> like, like you're, you have broken kneecaps and then he puts some plants on your knees and you're fine. Or like a tree, a tree stabs you in the back and then you're fine. Or you literally get stabbed in the heart with three, like, I don't even know what they are, but like three things that Beam's carrying. He stabs him in the heart and he's like, nah, I'll be injured for a little bit, but like I'll survive. <laughs> There's so <laughs> many things where it's like getting whipped uh, by that spike um, yeah. laden thing. Like, yeah, there's no, no reason left. these characters are alive, except that they are. You, they just are. And I'm fine. I'm fine with it. It's fine. But um, yeah. So I, yeah. Anyway, I thought that scene with Beam and Mali was really beautiful. Yeah, um, really sweet. And one thing that I also wanted to call out because it happens so much in this movie and every time it happens, I'm like, yes, this is amazing. <laughs> is there's so many like rallying speeches where it's like, I have seen Mali. We can wait no longer. It is time to go do what we came here for. Like that happens so many times in the movie. And um, I love every single one of those speeches because it's like, okay, yes. Let's go. Let's go. Let's do this. Um, but yeah, I wrote them down as tough guy speeches in my uh, in my tough book. guy speeches. Mm-hmm. Um. Anyway, oh yeah. So I think so. Yeah, this brings us. To, so Geneva, I want to get your reaction to this because you've seen this a lot more recently for the first time than I have. So, what was your response to uh, the animals leaping out of cages to attack everybody? <laughs> well, the thing is, I had already... Did you know that was going to happen? Oh, okay. Well, I didn't know when it was going to happen, but I had actually already seen that scene out of context. Um, forget exactly. I think it might have been just when this movie started getting popular. That scene was maybe going around Twitter or something like that. Um, so I, I had already seen it and, you know, Dang. it is incredibly awesome. So I was very excited when it happened. It wasn't a shock just because i'd already seen that visual but yeah i mean it's it's great and then there's just absolute carnage that follows um yeah i mean i don't don't really know how much to sum up um it looks great and you know it's then followed by this incredibly tense um again this sort of misunderstanding between the the two of them where beam is trying to rescue molly and Raju is trying to get beam and you're you're just screaming for them no use your words <laughs> like you know stop fighting with each other you both should be on the same side Raju you should be helping beam what are you doing like oh my gosh it's so in- it's so intense and it's so stressful because you don't want to see them fight like they've done, done such a good job of establishing their friendship and so anytime they're at cross purposes 
it's painful to watch. You know, you know that they're eventually going to come around, but until then, it's just painful. Yeah. I also love the very specific depiction of the fire versus water that really comes to a head here. Because I think there's nods to it in the beginning of, you know, Beam is water and, and Ram is fire. But here you really get to see it because literally Beam is like climbing out of a spraying fountain holding like this hose that's spraying water. And Ram <laughs> is like standing in front of fireworks that are spinning in circles and flamed behind him. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, the different visual ways that they take to depict. I mean, the fire and the water is the most most prominent that's used several times. But there are just several ways throughout how they emphasize, oh, these two people are different. And yet they're so the same, you know, like yeah. the, the songs say about them. It's really well done. And I also loved how in this sequence, because there's so much in this movie where you know, you could go full action or full whatever, which would be fine if they did that. But they they inject these little bits of human emotion and motivations behind these things. And during this sequence where they first really start, when Ram comes in and is trying to arrest him, you see Beam begging him. He's like, look into my eyes. Like, look at me. Tell me why you're doing this. And Ram can't even look at him because he's like, you are so precious to me and our friendship is so dear, but I have this greater purpose. And I know that in order to accomplish that, I have to do what I have to do. Well, and again, it's so fascinating watching that the first time versus watching it on. I mean, I I have not watched that since having seen the rest of the movie and knowing now knowing the full context of what Mm. Raju is doing. But when you Mm -hmm. watch it the first time, you know, you don't realize that this whole time Raju is undercover. Well, I mean, maybe someone has figured it out. But if you're me, you you do not realize at this point. You're you're wanting him to change his mind instead of realizing that there's this conflict going on underneath. Um, but it must be so interesting to watch it on subsequent watches and realize that there's this internal battle that's brewing. Oh, yeah. I mean, that's one of the things I love about it. And I remember because I forced my family to watch this when we were all together for Christmas me and my dad, we got brunch and he was kind of telling me about the movie and all that stuff. And he was kind of saying the same thing. And I was like, dude, you know, that in the first half, like, because I think my dad was of the perspective, he was thinking like, oh yeah, I was this guy who was all in on the British empire. And then he changed his mind. And I'm like, no, no, no. He was never all in on the British empire. He was always serving this larger purpose, but he, but that's what it looks like this until man. they do that reveal. Yeah. Right. But for me, it's like, no, like there's all this tension because he's not. And he's, you know, befriended this person, but he knows that he has to destroy him in order to get where he's going. And that's like ripping him apart. And it's just this incredible tension. And I think it's yeah. so beautifully represented in that specific moment when <laughs> Beam is like, look at me. And Ram literally cannot look at him. And it's just so powerful. Yeah, but I'm very curious the decision that they made to hold off on explaining Raju's backstory until that late in the movie. I wonder if it's a thing where for the Indian audience, they would be familiar enough with the character to know all of this going in or whether it was an intentional decision to kind of establish him with the audience expectations one way and then subvert them, which was how I experienced it. I mean... I I will say that I I figured it out pretty pretty early on. Oh, um, interesting. How did you, how did you figure it out? I I figured it out like I didn't know the specifics of it, but I had inklings because I could tell in the beginning 
when he was like fighting that guy and like bringing that one guy from the crowd all the way back. And then he was in this ceremony where they were announcing all the people that were going to be promoted. And he was not chosen after he did that huge act of valor. I could tell by his response of like not being chosen and then volunteering to be like, I will find this guy and that will hopefully finally get me to be promoted. When that happened, I was like, <clears throat> I just was connecting these dots of there's clearly something that's motivating him to really want to do this. And it doesn't seem like something where he's wanting to climb the ranks because I see his genuine care for this child who's like dying in a river surrounded by oil that's about to blow up. Like there's little moments where I see him wanting to be a good person or like when he lets Beam's brother go because he knows he's going to die from the snake biting him in his arm. Like there were enough hints beforehand that I figured it out pretty like pretty early on. But then because there were more nods to it, I kind of put the things together. I was like, okay, this is something that's going on. And then we had shots of like Sita holding like a hand holding something before and we're like, okay, there's this woman off somewhere. Like I, I, I had, I had thoughts of, oh, he came here for a reason and that's why he doesn't see his, you know, fiance or whatever. Um, Gotcha. So for yeah, me, like, because I, I picked up on all those things, I just read them differently. Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. I kind of always felt that that conflict, but um, yeah. Anyway, yeah. so I so I didn't necessarily write anything down about that scene after um, the intermission when it's kind of all of Ram's backstory. So if you have anything to say about that, go ahead. Because um, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not that much. Like you said, it was really interesting. To, it's really interesting um, to kind of recontextualize the the film or the scene as an audience member, knowing that the character, the uh, actor who plays his father, is this very big um, actor in India who would have been, you know, very recognizable for an Indian audience. <clears throat> so it adds an interesting little layer because I get the sense that his father is in this con the context of this village in the area that he lives in, that he is this sort of folkloric hero. And so it really makes sense to have a, um, a popular and beloved actor play him. Um, yeah, not, not don't have a whole lot else to add just that. I, I really like that scene and think it's thought it was well done. Yeah, it's, it's definitely. And, it, and I guess it, it establishes the, um, you know, just as beam, his sort of superpower is his incredible strength. For Raju, it's his incredible ability to aim. You know, he has this absolute, yeah. you know, this, you know, preternatural uh, ability to fire guns and bows and arrows from incredible distances and um, hit incredible targets. So, and it just seems to be gifted to him. You know, he didn't have to work at it. He just, he's got it. Yeah. I mean, you see in a lot of the song lyrics later, it, it, it does talk about them kind of like gods. It's like son of the god of whatever or son of the tribe of what, like it does kind of calling back to the beginning when we were talking about myth mythology and stuff. I think a lot of that is kind of inserted in here. These people are not just human. They are kind of deities in certain ways. Yeah, um, sort of demigods. Yeah, um, and I think... Yeah, kind of like what you said, this scene just is really well done. And I think it's super important to establish Ram's backstory, because if his backstory was not established well, this movie would fall apart, in my opinion. 
Um, and I think that it's done really well because you see, you see so much, I, I feel the connection between him and his father. It feels so real to me. Um, and just the sacrifice that's made there. And I also love kind of the, this is the first time we see the concept of this bullet is worth like it came all the way from England. And by the time yeah. it got here, it's worth six shilling or whatever. Is and that the first is... time? Cause I thought they used that speech at the very beginning as well in the scene when they take Molly. Am I making that up? No, I was going to say it's the first time that we recognize that it's going to be a repeated concept. Oh, I see. Okay. Yeah. So it's like, oh, this is something that's going to be coming back. And it, it really is like something that's, that's meaningful. And of course we see it again at the end in like the best, <laughs> the best <laughs> ending ever. Yeah. Um, this is also the first time that Sita really becomes a character. Cause we, we've seen her very briefly, but just as a sort of silent figure who's pining after Raju. And this is the first moment when we start to see her as this other half of him, you know, who has kind of her own thoughts and actions that she takes to support him, but also to support, their cause um which yeah. i really like there's even this moment where ram says something i don't remember the exact quote but it's something along the lines of like my courage gives me motivation but it's your courage that will help me win and i just think that that it's just i just think it's beautiful and i love just how they establish their relationship and and all of that um so yeah, m moving forward, I'm trying to like move faster now because we're <laughs> almost at two hours. Um, so we we get to the scene where um, where Beam is basically being basically publicly executed in front of everybody, um, and he's being brutally beaten by Ram per the command of you know the terrible leaders of this <sighs> colony or whatever you call it. Um, and I just think I think. I don't even know how to talk about this. I think it's so beautiful. I love the song that Beam sings throughout all of this. I just think it's absolutely beautiful how it carries him through such a difficult, um, through, through such a difficult moment. And I also love seeing just the incredible, cause like Beam is being physically tortured here, but Ram is being like emotionally ripped apart because he's like, I hate doing this. And I hate you now knowing that I'm doing this. And like, there's these incredible shots of like him wiping tears away along with blood that's being splattered on his face from like Beam's body. And you see these moments of, of Ram like trying to help Beam kneel, like by pulling the chain back with his foot so that he falls or by like pushing his knee down with his foot. Cause he's like, if you just freaking kneel, like I don't yeah. have to do this anymore. And that's sort of, trying to get him on his side of the the sort of uh tactic that he's saying you know sort of externally um submit to what the british colonizers are telling you to do but then you know you don't necessarily in your heart have to but at least pretend to go along um so that you can survive and so that you can further your purposes but that's not what beam's tactics are and he and so he refuses yeah, and you you see this incredible moment at the end when they, you know, they drop him to the ground and he's about to collapse and he reaches his hand out to the people and then he turns his hand basically upside down telling people to like rise. 
and everyone's like, yeah, like we're going to rise up. There's all these right. shots of the crowd getting angrier and angrier. Yeah. Yeah. And then you see Rom like immediately fall or run to Beam's side as he collapses on the ground and like holds him, basically cradles him because he's so upset that he's basically killed his friend. But then because he has to keep up the facade, he's like, okay, I'm going to pick him up and carry him over my shoulder and put him in this vehicle. But you see this very brief moment of tenderness of him being like, what have I done? I'm so, it hurts me that I hurt you, that you're probably dead now. Like, which then leads him to this awakening that I kind of mentioned before, where he, where he says those lines of like, I did write down the exact quote. He says, I was under the impression that guns would bring us freedom, but Beam inspired everyone with just a song. And then he says, I promised my father I would give everyone a weapon, but Beam's song uh, turned everyone into a weapon. And so it's just, he has this transformational moment of like, the way that I'm going about this is actually wrong because there's more than one way to bring freedom to our people. Um, And... Yeah, I just think that song is is so beautiful. I don't know who sings it because I don't think it's the actor singing it. Um, but whoever that is, props, incredible, super good. Um, but yeah, so then uh, I'm really going to start jumping forward here. But we have the whole sequence where like Ram finally gets promoted and then he's finally given this assignment of like, you're the one who gets to transport the guns and the weapons. He's like, oh my gosh, this could be my opportunity but then he chooses that he's going to free Beam and Molly instead. Um, and so he helps them escape. Again, he gets like stabbed by a freaking tree and somehow <laughs> survives. But then we have the sequences. I did of have like, to, sorry, I did have to laugh a little bit when um, the governor is pursuing. And he well, flies the, out of the car. Yeah. Just the way. In general, the CGI in this movie is really good, but the, for something about that one scene, it did kind of crack to me up yeah. just how, how quickly he goes flying from that car. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I think that they're supposed to kind of be funny in an evil sort of way, like when his wife is like, there's barely any blood. You said that oh, there yeah. would be blood at his Incredibly campy performance. Feet. It's like, <laughs> all right, lady. Um, but I was kind of cracking up every time she opened her mouth. I mean, in the theater, everyone, when I was there, everyone was like cracking up and being like, boo, <laughs> boo. Cause it's supposed to be like an over yeah, the top. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah. So then now that Beam and Mali have escaped, everyone knows that Ram was actually an undercover guy. So they put him in prison. He's there for a long time. His hair grows long. And then they're like, We've been starving him for days. There's no way he'll be executed and he'll be weak like everyone else. And then they walk up to his cell and he's doing freaking pull-ups with the chains that the are chains? holding him from oh the ceiling. <laughs> while he's staring at like the Capitol through his window. <laughs> and he gives another one of those speeches that I love where he's like, you may kill me, but I will never. <laughs> he's just, he's so being fed on his own anger and his knowledge of his own righteousness you know he doesn't need human food so then they put him into an even smaller cell where he's crammed in the ground and there's just these little bars above him he tries to do pull-ups on them more (laughs) pull-ups even though his kneecaps have been broken he's been stabbed by a tree in his back he hasn't eaten anything for days he's been beaten multiple times He still does pull-ups because he has a purpose. <laughs> I mean, what else are you going to do? 
Um, so then we see that Beam and Mali, they've gone out, they've escaped, they're, they're out kind of in, um, in a different part of, of India, and they go to this little town where they're hiding out, but the British people show up there looking for them, to which Sita scares them off by telling them that people in the room have smallpox, so they That's run great. away. And, and the great thing is it's a complete smart. coincidence. Um, mm-hmm. You know, she does not know who Beam is. Beam does not know who she is. They just happen to be at the same time in the same place, same place at the same time. She sees that they're in trouble and she steps up to help. And I really love Sita's character. And I think that's yeah. a great way to kind of establish her as a, a person who is noble and makes active choices in her own way, you know, and is not just, um, you know, is not just a figure a sort of object of of Raju's desire or you know longing or something like that. She is also a, a member of this um, this movement. Yeah. So then she proceeds to just share about her story and what her what Ram has like gone to do. And then Beam connects the dots and is like, oh my gosh, that's my friend that you're talking about. So then he has this whole revelation and another dramatic speech where he's like. I beat my friend with these hands. I was just fighting for my tribe, but he was fighting for something bigger. How blind I was. And then he goes to Sita and he's like, Sita will not go find Ram. I will bring Ram to where Sita (laughs) is. It's like, okay. Okay. (laughs) So then Ram shows up at the camp because he was given the blueprints of the layout by the lovely Jenny. And uh, he shows up at this prison yard and, you yeah, know. Yeah, which, sorry, just to to note, in the, it is interesting that Jenny sort of disappears in the second half. Sita becomes a character in the second half. Jenny kind of disappears. I do wish there was a touch more Jenny, just because I really like that character and I invested in that relationship a lot. I understand why, you know, it becomes more important for, um, you know, for Beam and Raju's relationship because the second half is so focused on them finally aligning you know finally getting on the same page that you can't really have as much jenny but it, i just i do kind of wish there was one more scene between her and beam um in the second half yeah yeah i i i would agree with that actually um because i think that there's some stuff that that beam and jenny need to work out in terms of like yeah like why clearly they're she, not going to end up with okay each other more? with Why was she okay with having a child locked up in a prison and she thought she could just bring her a dress and she'd be happy with it? Like, I don't know. I have some issues with that. Um, But anyway, um, yeah, so Beam shows up at the prison camp and he, him and Rom do their whole thing again where it's like, we don't need words to communicate. We'll just bang on the ground and we'll know that it's (laughs) each other. (laughs) So Beam finds Rom, gives him the other half to his necklace that Sita shared and both of their eyes have been opened and they can finally unite and be who they've supposed to be, who they have supposed (laughs) to have been all along. And, uh, because Rom's kneecaps are broken. He beam puts him on his shoulders and they become this, uh, I don't even know, uh, this <laughs> miraculous creature. Um, Crime fighting duo. <laughs> yeah, where they run around and Ram shoots guns with both hands and beam transports him by running and reloads his guns for him. Like, <laughs> they swing so up on cool. towers and punch people in the face. Yeah, they leap over walls. Like, <laughs> I love how like Rom just puts the guns down and and Beam reloads them, and then it's just it's so it's so I love it. Well, they're it's using so much their strength. Fun. Beam is strong. Raju is a good shooter. 
yeah, it's great. I I love I love the two of them finally um, uniting like that. It's what we've been waiting for the whole movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, then we get to this final battle sequence, which I love the moments when there's just these these shots of the the general or whoever he is from upstairs, like thinking this is going to be a simple capture, and then like first he sees gunfire happening in the trees, and he's like, "What's going on?" Then he sees explosions coming from the trees. He's like, "What is happening out there?" Yeah. He's like, "I'm sending more troops." And then so many conversations between Edward and Edward, the governor or whatever he is, where he's like, "Oh, they managed to escape uh, somehow," and he's like, "Send more people," and then of course they are murdered. <laughs> yep, Just Edward, so then, not very competent. <laughs> no. So then we see Ram and Beam both in their full form. We see Ram with a bow and arrow, with this incredible yellow backlight. He's got these sweet baggy pants, got no shirt on. He's like, I'm got ready to just necklace take around down. his neck. He's got his, his beard and his hair flowing freely. Yep. Um, so yeah. he, he kind of goes on his solo rampage for a while so that he can have his rum moment, right? And then we introduce Beam. And this is actually my favorite shot in the whole movie, when Beam comes up out of the water and it's this like incredibly slow, slow motion of him coming up out of the water. And then as he lifts his spear, we get this close-up of the spear coming out of the water. It's just, it's my favorite shot in the whole movie. But um, so then Beam has his moment. And of course, in all of the music for Rom's part, it's like the lyrics are like, Rom, he rises from the ashes and shoots arrows. He's the son of the fire, blah, blah, blah. And then with Beam, it's like, Beam, the son of water is now coming to join the battle. Like the music is just so great. Yep. <laughs> um, the music is their hype, man. It's so good. And then I don't even know how to talk about it. There's just an insane, crazy good fight where they're flipping motorcycles and whipping things of fire around shooting arrows and flying onto horses like it's just it's insane super good yeah yeah and then they finally blow up the the whole like castle or whatever it is again by nonverbal communication of how to do that um, Beam launches a motorcycle into this room that's full <laughs> he of he literally uh, throws a burning motorcycle <laughs> and the entire place blows up everything blows up and then um we have the ending which is with the uh i don't even know who he is the governor whoever he is he's he sees his dead wife hanging from wires above him which is very brutal but also we're all here for it in the theater everyone was screaming it was great um and then we have this i love this because we just had this crazy battle and all of these things. And this is the moment we've all been waiting for, but they ground it in emotion again, because Ram gives this whole speech of like, see this bullet, this bullet was It came from England and it traveled this many miles and this is how much money it's worth. And he's like, if it's this valuable, you can't just throw it away. And then he's like, beam return the bullet to him right in his heart. And beams like, gladly and then we have the whole load aim shoot and then it's like fuck yeah and then we get the blood splattering (laughs) on the sun never sets on the british empire (laughs) 
and the crowd literally in my theater goes wild. It's amazing. Um, what more could you ask for? And then I think, oh no, before that, actually, it's one of my, it's probably the moment in the movie that moves me the most when Ram picks up the gun and gives it to Beam. Like there's just this, this incredible moment of Ram being like, I've not only accomplished my purpose, but I'm also giving this to my friend who is the person, like these are the people that I've been fighting for to rise up. Like he's the first person I'm going to give this weapon because like, I don't know. I just think that that's beautiful and it makes me cry every time for some reason. Um, but yeah, so then that's basically it. I mean, we have everyone reuniting. Jenny gets with Beam and, and Ram gets back with Sita and, and all that stuff. And then we have the incredible uh, song at the end that I wish I could sing, but I can't because I don't speak the language. <laughs> yeah. Where there um, are dozens and dozens of, um, I assume those are the Indian flag. Um, I'm not actually familiar with what the flag of India looks like. So a lot of the, um, so all of the like faces that you see in the background, those are a lot of like, those are prominent figures from the Indian uh, independence movement. I know that because I did research. And I also wanted to say the Vande Mataram that comes up several times in the movie, that actually means um, I bow to thee mother. And it's actually a poem from a famed novel from um, an Indian woman. And it's a, like a hymn to a specific goddess. And that goddess is identified as a national personification of India. So there's another huge meaning to Vande Mataram. That's like a cultural thing that I don't fully understand, but I wanted to just like make sure we shout that out. Um, but yeah, so I guess that's like, that's, I mean, there's more I can yeah. say, but I just looked it up by the way, and that's not the the official the the flag of India. So I'm not sure what those flags represent, but um, yeah, I'm not sure which flag you're actually like talking about. Which flag are you talking the, about? The I mean, there's like dozens of them. I think it's red, yellow, and green. Um, okay, there's writing on it, and there's they're all throughout that number. Um, oh, okay, gotcha. yeah, I was just very curious about it. Yeah, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, one question that I wanted to ask you before we wrap up here is, I'm curious, what is your favorite action sequence in this movie? If you had to choose a favorite. Assuming we're not counting the um, the choreography of, of Natu Natu. That's probably <laughs> the scene. That is the scene I have already rewatched the most and probably uh -huh. will continue to rewatch the, the most. Actually, this kind of goes into what I find most moving because I think my answer to that would be the very first um uh the very first time that Beam and Raju meet when they are rescuing the boy I think that is my favorite um just the way it's set up where they're communicating wordlessly and they're both getting into position when one's getting a rope and one's getting the flag and you don't know what exactly they're planning and then their plan turns out to be this incredibly complicated <laughs> Extreme, extraordinarily, like precisely choreographed thing that somehow they're both able to understand exactly what to do. Yep. But I just love the moment when the two of them are swinging on these ropes on either side of the bridge, and they reach out and they they grab each other by the forearm, and it's this close up on their hands clasping for the first time, and you're just like, oh, this is the beginning of a beautiful friendship. Yeah, 
it's, which then leads wonderful. into the montage, which mm-hmm. so great. Yeah, yeah that's so that, that's, that's a great favorite. moment. That's that's a really really good one. Um, I think this is probably loosely defining action sequence because maybe you wouldn't count this if we're thinking in terms of like battles and stuff, but. Beam fighting the tiger, man. Like it just—you know. Somehow, I thought you might say it. it get, like it's just—it's so—it's so cool. It's so cool. Like it's I've never—I cool. have never seen anything like that before. Like as much as the other action sequences are amazing, it's like I've seen bow and arrows go up against guns. I've seen—I've seen people fighting other people with like with like stabs or whatever they're called. Like I've seen not not to not to diminish them in this movie. I think they're all fantastic and done in ways that I haven't seen before but the concept of of just him fighting the tiger with the camera shots that it gets with the specific body parts that it films and the angles at which it films it with the music that's the music there is so good and then it ends with this incredibly beautiful moment of him like holding this tiger head up to him and saying like I'm using you for my purposes I'm sorry it's just I love it. That's my favorite action sequence in the whole movie. I think it's just, I I have no words. I have no words. (laughs) Um, So, okay. Yeah. We're at two hours, eight minutes. I'm going to finish it up here. Um, So let me just jump into um, the awards from this movie. This movie was not nominated for anything other than best original song. I'm not going to, Get hung up on that and talk about that. Salty about that. I I'm very emotionally upset and distraught, (laughs) but it's fine. This has happened with the Oscars before. It's happened more often than not. They rarely ever get things right, so I'm gonna let it go. I mean, I'll go out on a limb and say they never get things right. They never. They often get aspect parts of things right, but they never get everything right. No. Yeah. Um. Anyway, leaving that aside and putting that to bed. Otherwise, I will never stop. Um, this movie, surprisingly, only has an 83 on Metacritic. It only has a 94% fresh on Rotten Tomatoes. I'm curious which about I'm, what the 6% of critics who did, did not I like know, this movie right? had to say about it. If anyone was like, RR, yeah, that movie sucked. I'd be like, what is wrong with you? Um, maybe maybe they're British people. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> it's possible. Some British, um, like, buddy-duddy critic who's, like, yeah, you know, still pro- the movie Colonial goes too far in its portrayal. It's like, well, it does, but that's the point. Yeah. Um, anyway, so there's one review that I found that I actually really, really loved, and it comes from the playlist. It's written by Corey Woodruff, and the review says, RRR has the power to transport you back to the epics of old, times where studios were willing to invest millions of dollars and mounds of resources into high-flying historical extravaganzas that remind you of the power of the silver screen. Like Parasite and Drive My Car, it feels like the type of international release that could remind American moviegoers to look past the art being made at home and immerse themselves in the beauty of global cinema. People who hand ring about movies being dead really need to check this one out. RRR proves that yes, cinema is alive and well, but only if you're willing every now and again to look past your backyard. I am obsessed with that review. That is... (laughs) So many things that I feel about this movie, but stated in such a more eloquent way than I could put it. Um, I think it's beautiful, and I hope that this movie inspires people to go watch other movies that are not American films, because there's so many good ones out there. Parasite and Drive My Car just being two of the most recent ones, but there's so, 
so many. Um, yeah, so I guess I'll just talk briefly about what part of this movie has just like stuck it in my mind. I mean, everything about it basically, but, <laughs> but I guess I'll just go back to the thing in the beginning. This movie was already incredible, but I think seeing this at the music box in a sold out theater with SS Rajmuli being present for a Q and a, that was just incredibly special for me. And um, that's really what's gonna just make this movie stick with me for forever. So yeah. How about you, Geneva? Is there anything that's going to make this movie stick with you? Is it the not to not to dance? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I think I already said, like, because it's it's the not to not to dance. And then it's that first action sequence when we first see how in sync these two are, you know, followed immediately by that lovely little montage of them becoming best friends. So good. Yeah, so good. It really is the relationship between the two of them. There's the heart and soul of this movie. And so I I think that's really the part that's going to stick with me most. Yeah. I do hear that they're in works to make a sequel. I don't know how I feel about that. Wait, um, really? I yeah, I kind of don't want this to be a franchise. I want it to stand alone. Uh, and I also, anyway, I'm not going to go into that. I'm like, why can't movies just exist? Why do we have to franchise them and make them into other? <laughs> Whatever. I'm not going to do that. Um, but yeah, I'll be interested to see what happens with that. And if it ends up getting made, which it probably will, but also like how they're going to continue this story because. I mean, I see how they could, but also why? Anyway, um, yeah, so that concludes our talk of RRR, at least for now. Um, But Geneva, can you please tell us what we will be talking about next week? Yes, next week we are going to be talking about one of my favorite films of all time, which is the 2005 Pride and Prejudice, directed by Joe Wright. Um, Yeah, I'm very, very excited to talk about it. Yeah, it's it's a great one. So, uh, yeah, join us next week, guys. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) (laughs) I'm in a really good mood because we just talked about this movie for two hours. Thanks for listening. If you want to get in touch with us, you can email us at yourpickpod at gmail.com. Our theme song was composed by Joel Rushton, and our podcast graphic was designed by Kara Shin. If you like this show and want to hear more, please rate and subscribe on your favorite podcast platform. We're excited to have you on this journey with us. Until next time.